Hello and welcome to the Golden Wheel Tavern. It's so nice to see you. It's been such a long time. And in fact, I'm surprised you found me here. We switched locations. Uh, the storage room doesn't have as much in it yet, which is why it's a bit echoey in here. But we're going to try something a bit different. Uh, usually I tell you about some sort of class or monster or something. But instead, there's been a bit of a shakeup in the dungeoning and dragon fighting communities. So we're going to discuss that. And the reason I say we is because I brought with me my best barmaid, barman, bar person. Bartender. I, I'm Max. Maxwell. Nice to meet you. Adventurer. <laughs> well, you've done very well introducing yourself, Max. Now, what we'll be discussing today is the OGL, or the Open Gaming License. Uh, the creators of Dungeons & Dragons, Wizards of the Coast... How long ago would you say? Like two weeks? Uh, like in, uh, sometime towards the beginning of January. There, there was a shakeup, and it was leaked that they were going to change the open gaming license, which is essentially a structure upon which other people could publish works. They were going to release OGL 1.1, and really, there were three main sticking points with the new OGL. Number one, people were saying that any revenue over $75,000 was going to be just absolutely ripped from you. Basically, if you made over $75,000, Wizards was going to crack down on you and take everything you've ever loved. Now, that's your dungeon master's job. Yeah, that's their job. They they take those you love, put them in danger, make you go out and kill a dragon for them. And it's the things we do for love. Second big issue was the idea that Wizards at any time could shut down this contract. Essentially, if you published anything they disagreed with, they could say no, bad, and shut you down. And people were upset about that. And then the third one, people once again love making their stuff and calling it their own. There was a section in the OGL that people interpreted to say wizards could take anything you published and take it for their own. It was take, 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 and it would be theirs. Those are the three main sticking points if you've been keeping up with this, that you have heard time and time again. Now, both of us have read over the OGL 1.1 leak document, and we're going to discuss that, and we're going to discuss the new draft of the OGL 1.2, essentially Wizards' response to community backlash because of the OGL 1.1. We should be a little bit clear. The entirety of OGL 1.1 was never released, but sections of it were through journalism companies, just straight up screenshot sections. The whole thing never released, but we read through all the parts that were. True. We should be very clear, because we will be clearing up quite a few misconceptions. In fact, I have already presented you with one of the misconceptions. Earlier, I said that people were upset because anything over $75,000 in profit, they would basically take from you. That is incorrect. The number is not $75,000 and it is not profit. It is any company or entity that makes over $750,000 per year in revenue is liable to pay royalties between 20% and 25% based on the method that revenue is generated. Now, I don't think I need to tell you that there's a difference between 75000 
and 750000 especially per year. This limitation or this royalty is standard. You're using our free service. If you're making a lot of money on it, you need to pay us licensing. Very simple. So what do you think about the $750,000 in revenue? Like, I think it's fine. I think a lot of people... I feel like it falls under, like, the quintessential, like, I don't... That a lot of people who play D&D aren't American, but I feel like a lot of it falls under, like, the quintessential American, um... And I hate to call people conservative. Conservative thinking of, oh, it's fine if we don't tax the rich because someday I'm going to be a millionaire. That's how I kind of feel like this. Like, even if you knock out all the people who can't read the number 750,000 and read it as 75,000, and you just look at, like, the biz, specifically taking just people who make money off their content, looking at the $750,000 number, who don't make anywhere near that, and they are the ones saying, hey, we shouldn't be having this 25% royalty on everything above that because it's going to affect my bottom line, you're probably making, like, 100,000 a year at most. Most small business creators are not making a lot of money. And if they are, feel free to prove me wrong. I'm cool with that, but I don't think you're making... I don't think someone who makes $750,000 a year can call themselves a small business creator. It does feel like these are people who will never make $100 on the PDFs they publish, screaming that Wizards will never take a cent from them. Okay, so we'll move on to the next sticking point, which is the... Fact that Wizards put in there the ability to revoke the OGL for specific people under certain circumstances. They can say, hey, your product is no longer legal because we find certain things disagreeable. This is standard end user agreement stuff. Essentially, if you post something vile, it makes sense that the company whose framework you're using should be able to step in and say, hey, you're doing something vile, stop doing that with our framework. What do you think about it? So, I feel like the best way to think about it is, like, in terms of fan fiction, right? Um, I can go onto Tumblr and find the nastiest, most vulgar uh, Marvel fan fiction there is out there, you know? Um, Disney would disagree with anything stronger than a man and a woman holding hands, so... There's a lot that Disney doesn't agree with when it comes to Marvel fanfiction. Just like there might be a lot that Wizards of the Coast doesn't agree with when it comes to published um, works derivative of Dungeons and Dragons. But Marvel Disney can't go up to someone who's publishing their shit for free and be like, hey, take that down. Because it's free. They're not making any money out of it. It's a fan content. Same thing with your Dungeons & Dragons. If you're making something under the fan content license, it doesn't matter how disagreeable you want to make it. Go for it. They can't really do anything about it. However, once you start profiting off of their IP and making something that's going to affect their image negatively, they're allowed to tell you to stop. Yeah, I think this is just a case of people... Once again, thinking this is going to affect them, this is going to shut them down, or people thinking it's going to be a case of Wizards stepping in and shutting down every single competitor one after one, but that's not why that's in there. I think reading it as they're going to shut everyone down is a bad faith interpretation, when honestly, it's just standard, fair, don't post racist stuff with our platform, don't do heinous acts to our platform. It's not allowed. Yeah. 
Now, the third sticking point, which is essentially the one that I think may have blown up the most, which is that Wizards in the OGL 1.1 retains rights over anything published under the OGL. Oh, absolutely, that one blew up the most. Uh, I was seeing posts and stuff online saying, if you publish a song based off of Dungeons and Dragons, they can take your song, they can steal your character art, and any of the NPCs you make for your homebrew campaign, they can just, they can just take it. They can take any setting that Dimension 20 has put out and publish it as their own. Like, a bunch of wild shit. Now, that does sound like straw man. I have seen the social medias you scroll through, and yeah, there very much are people like that. Uh, But once again, this is a case of, I think both of us agree, bad faith interpretation. This is once again, people saw something and took it the worst way, and also misunderstanding. It's essentially combining both the issues with the $750,000 in revenue per year, and the being able to revoke any content they find disagreeable. The deal with the publishing content under their own is simply that you cannot sue them if you create something and they create something that are similar. If I were to come up with a cleric domain, it would probably be something along cleric of the mind, cleric of the psyche, cleric of meditation, you know, order of the mind, order of the psyche, order of meditation. Something mental to go along with, you know, Order of Arcana or that kind of stuff, clerics, right? But you could see how that's an idea that someone at Wizards of the Coast might have. If I publish something under the OGL and then Wizards publish something that says, you know, hey, this is the mind domain cleric, am I going to sue them over it? Like, they came up with it independently, and this is just a measure to protect them. Although that is my interpretation of it. What about you? No, that's pretty much my interpretation of it, too. I also think it's, like, really... What's the word I'm looking for? Um, You're just, like, really inflating your own creative abilities if you think that that homebrew thing you published for free on your Tumblr blog that got, like, 50 notes, Wizards of the Coast is actively seeking out so that they can rip you off. You know? Also, let's discuss... The misinterpretation. We've discussed the bad faith interpretation. Let's discuss the misinterpretation. Can they take your songs? No. Can they take your dice? No. Can they take your homebrew campaign you're currently playing? No. (laughs) Can they take the t-shirt you made that says, you know, square bracket, my character is a level 20 fighter, come at me, bro. No, but they should. They should. That's a bad t-shirt. They should take it away from you and give it to me. I deserve that shirt more than you, okay? But the deal with anything along those lines, your songs, your dice, that kind of stuff, almost all of that falls underneath the fan content creation license, which is different. You can draw your character and post it on social media. That's fine. I could draw myself and post it on social media. That'd be fine. Would it be a good drawing? No. But I could still do that. That'd be fine. I could write a song about the adventures of every character in every campaign I've ever been in. Would I have to, you know, bow to Wizards of the Coast for that? No. Once again, fan-created content. 
you wouldn't even have to bow to Wizards of the Coast if you wrote a song about all of Volo's adventures or Mordenkainen's. Yeah, that is fan-created content and has nothing to do with the OGL. The OGL applies specifically to books and static, unchanging file formats, such as EPUBs or PDFs. Is it an EPUB? Is it a PDF? Is it a book? No. Woods of the Coast doesn't care about it under the OGL. Now, before anyone says, but what if they're putting the D&D logo on something? Don't. Don't do that. That's just illegal. <laughs> you are just taking someone else's copyrighted image, their trademark, and using it elsewhere. So, don't put the ampersand on things, and that has nothing to do with the OGL. If you're really wondering whether or not your specific content that you made that you're not selling, specifically, falls underneath uh, fan-created content or trademark infringement, look at their fan content policy. It's posted on their website. It has a list of the things that you're allowed to do and the things you're not allowed to do, including a list of every logo of theirs that you're, you do not have the right to use. They are surprisingly transparent about this sort of thing because, honestly, they have cultivated a community around creators. Like, they're not going to come down and shut down this podcast. This is fan-created content. And if somehow I end up making piles of gold off this, I would probably talk to Wizards of the Coast about licensing. Well, you shouldn't because you don't have to. That's another misconception you've just brought up. The OGL does not apply to podcasts or live streams or any, like, video, digital, audio recording, actually. It doesn't apply to any sponsorships you get on those things either. Now, if you're going on these... Um, podcasts, uh, live streams, whatever, and pushing whatever, they still can't get you. It's not covered under the OGL. And in their OGL, the only real mention of it is just that it's fine to do live streams and podcasts about Dungeons and Dragons and that they're not, royalties do not apply to any profits you make off those things. And with that beautiful segue, <laughs> we're going to move on to discuss how Wizards of the Coast has responded to community backlash, the OGL 1.2. One of the important things to note about the OGL 1.2 is that it is currently a draft, and they are getting feedback on this. Another important thing to note is essentially one of the main points they put on there is exactly that the interpretation of the section involving revoking the OGL from bad actors is exactly what it is. They straight up say in the OGL that they will only revoke your OGL if you violate the terms, and even so, they will give you a 30-day notice unless you posted harmful, uninclusive, and downright heinous content underneath the OGL. If you post heinous stuff under the OGL, they will shut you down immediately. And if you violate the OGL otherwise, you get a 30-day notice, and as long as you stop doing whatever you're doing that got them to say, hey, stop, you can keep going. You just need to stop doing that thing. And honestly, that's what it's always been. Now, an interesting part of the new OGL is the fact that a lot of it is now under Creative Commons which is essentially you can use their SRD, System References Document, 
which they've always had, just freely. And that's fine. And then they'll have unlicensed content that you can't use, which is how it's always been. Honestly, the OGL 1.2 removes one or two things from the OGL 1.1 that people didn't like. But other than that, it's pretty much the same. And people seem a lot more positive about it simply because they said, you know, now you can make as much money as you want as long as you're falling under the OGL and it's fine. Otherwise, talk to Wizards about licensing, which if you're making over $750,000 a year, you should be doing anyways. Yeah, I really have nothing to say on this point. Um, The OGL 1.2 is a draft that is fully released. You can find it and read the entire thing, unlike 1.1. So I encourage you to do so if you're that pressed about it. Honestly, you play D&D if you're listening to this podcast, or at least you have an interest. You probably are fine reading through a six-page document full of rules. And honestly, the only time you really need to do that is if you are selling content about D&D. If you're not, you know? Specifically selling books or PDFs or EPUBs or other unchanging formats. Yeah. Now, we're not saying don't be mad at corporations for doing stuff you don't like. Go ahead. Be mad. Corporations suck. Exactly. But be mad about the right things. Don't be out here being mad about stuff that doesn't exist. And honestly, the D&D OGL is, is really lax compared to other licensing agreement licensing agreements. I'm going to say that again. Compared to other licensing agreements, don't cut that out. Okay. <laughs> um, I have an article here um, from the Game Dev Business Handbook. Now, I understand that the D&D open gaming license is different from, like, a licensing that a game developer would get, but they are both content licenses. So they are going to share some similarities. And this article is just about what to expect from a license, right? Um, first thing to expect is that there's going to be a royalty. Yeah. And I think Wizards of the Coast should add that royalty back into 1.2. Um, that is their content. People had to come up with that. If someone started taking your content and making stuff based off of it and selling it, you would want to cut of that too. Now, here's what I think in regards to royalties. Now, bring back that limit, that's fine, but make sure there are clear channels to develop individual licensings with Wizards of the Coast. Essentially, put in the OGL, hey, if you're making over 750000 you need to contact us about licensing so that you can have an individualized licensing agreement, which you should have if you're making over $750,000 a year on products based off another company's framework. Yeah. Another thing with licenses. Most of the time, when you want a license, you have to pay for the license. I want a driver's license. I pay for it. I want a license to perform a play. I pay them for it. I pay them also a profit, a part of whatever profit I make selling tickets for people to see that play. I want a license to make a game. I play. I pay the people whose IP I'm licensing money for the license and the ability to use their IP. You don't have to pay Wizards of the Coast anything to use their IP. Honestly, I think both of us, and we've said we don't like corporations. Corporations suck. But both of us read through the OGL 1.1 and the OGL 1.2. We've done research on OGL 1.0 and other licensing agreements. And honestly, all this seems like 
standard fare and term user agreement licensing. Like, I'm sure you've signed up for more restrictive licensing without even knowing it. Scrolling to the bottom of the page, clicking, I've read the terms and service and signing up for any sort of service. Honestly, this just got blown up and both of us feel like it's standard fare. Should D&D be completely open source and everyone get to play whatever they want, whatever they want? In an ideal world, yes. But there are people who work on this, people whose living come from making D&D for Wizards of the Coast. And I don't think that they should be deprived of any income because people are upset that they don't get to freely make stuff whenever they want, however they want, with as much stuff as they want, and not have to pay any sort of thing in for it. So long as they are also making money off of it. Yeah, if you're making free stuff, that should be fine. And that is fine. As long as you are not profiting off anything, you can make whatever you want. And if you are profiting off someone else's work, it makes sense that the person whose work you're profiting off of should receive some sort of kickback. The OGL 1.1 honestly seemed generous about it, and OGL 1.2 seems even more generous. Yeah, uh, I think the OGL in general is generous on most all of its points. Another thing that that article mentions is standard for content licenses, is that the people who own the IP usually get to control every aspect of their IP that you are using in the content you are creating. How it's... Um, represented in every single way. Wizards of the Coast is extremely hands-off on that because I don't think there was a, there would be a way for them to allow for open content creation and them to be extremely hands-on about it. That would be nearly impossible. But still, you have an enormous amount of freedom under this license to make whatever you want, barring it's not horrible and offensive. Yeah, it's, it's an OGL. It's the open gaming license. And honestly, reading through it, it's open. It's open and it's good. And honestly, having seen the backlash and whatnot from the community, a lot of it comes from, as I said, misunderstanding, bad faith interpretation, or just not reading through the openly available resources in front of you for fan content creation, virtual tabletop, and the OGL 1.2. Yeah, what he said. <laughs> um but I feel like we've been very argument, like not argumentative towards each other, just like yelling at the audience, you know. Uh, so now we can yell at each other. Oh, okay. About <laughs> I Dungeons and Dragons related stuff. I feel like we've hammered our point home for twenty four minutes on the OGL. So since I brought on a new host, since I brought on a new segment, it's this one right here. I'm going to uh, pull a D&D Trivial Pursuit card. Um, Mr. Tavern Keep over there isn't going to know what questions are on it. And I will gleefully hide the answers from him. So, um, this is the trivia portion of the show, I guess. I'm, Pretty long and home. I'm going to ask him the six questions that are on this Trivial Pursuit card. He's going to get probably two or three of them correct. He will not get all six of them correct, but he can try. I don't care about the canon lore. He doesn't care about D&D. I don't. <laughs> okay, question one. A cape of the Mount Bank allows its wearer to cast which conjuration spell on a daily basis? Listeners, you can play along at home. So that's cape of the Mont Bank. 
Mounty Bonk or however it's pronounced. I don't actually know how it's Montebank. In the artwork, it's red and like has like a gold like trim on it. And the thing is, is, is I believe it lets you cast. I want to say plane shift once per day, and then when you do, you disappear in a puff of smoke. It's a teleportation spell. I know it's not Misty Step. I'm going with plane shift. I'm going with you're wrong. Ah, I tried. Listeners at home, I'm sure you already knew this from all your adventures, but it is Dimension Door. <sighs> it's it's Dimension Door, which is the larger Misty Step. But you do disappear and it does leave a smell of smoke because you're disappearing in like a puff of smoke and reappearing elsewhere. What digest-sized 2010 D&D essential product compiled the fourth edition rules into a single book. No one cares about 4th edition. 4th <laughs> edition is heralded by the community as one of the worst editions. I uh, get that. 4th and 5th editions are the reason some of my friends stopped playing D&D altogether. The 4th edition compendium. I have no good answer for this. I am 0 for 2. Mm-hmm. Rules compendium. Rules compendium. I did have compendium. Right? I'm not giving it to you. Yeah, I'm just saying, compendium is a weird thing for me to get right there. No, it's not. True, there is it, the Sage Advice compendium. It was edited by Jeremy Crawford, Ooh, future Crawford. lead of 5th edition's Game Rules. He's gay. Happy Pride, I guess. Happy Pride. Pride all year round. We love bisexual tieflings here. Which is majority of tieflings I've ever met. Now, the one thing D&D really tests... Is my ability to pronounce things and sound smart. Um, yeah. The Galabdur. Galabdur, yes. The rock monster. Is capable of animating what features of the surrounding terrain? Boulders! It's not just a boulder, it's a rock! It's also a Galabdur. Fuck you. And you got that one right. Congrats. Yeah, they even have a rolling speed, because they... Uh, when they're curled up, they're, like, you can't tell the difference between them and boulders. And then there's a specific listed speed if they're rolling downhill. <laughs> oh, this one's just a question for you, babe. In the Dark Sun campaign, City by the Silk Sea, adventurers attempt to foil the rise to godhood of what undead dragon king? Uh, Ebon Lich. Dragoth. Damn. I tried. I do not know that one. I don't pay much attention to D&D canon lore. In the Forgotten Realms, King Obald Many Arrows was what kind of creature? So since he has the last name Many Arrows, uh, no. Incorrect. Ah. King Obald Many Arrows is an orc. He's an orc. Interesting. Is it because he got shot with many arrows? I don't know. I wouldn't. I don't even know who this guy is. The only reason I know the answer is because it's on the card. I wouldn't be surprised if it's because he got shot with many arrows. Have you seen the artwork for an ogre howda? I'm assuming you haven't. I don't know what an ogre howda is. <laughs> Stay out of my swamp. <laughs> In Greyhawk, what is the alignment of the deity Istis? The goddess of destiny, sometimes called the colorless and all colored. I would assume true neutral. Yeah. Yeah, true troll. It's it's just neutral. Yeah, which is true neutral. 
So that was what two out of two six? out of six. Because I couldn't remember which teleportation spell Cape of the Montbon casts. Correct. He got two out of six listeners. I hope you beat his ass in this. Um. Listeners, I got two out of six. I'll try to do better next time. I know I let you down. He won't do better next time. Unless he studies up on his lore. And I'm not going to. I may fall into a deep dive on the D&D wiki every now and then. But I'm not studying up on the lore. I'm not reading the books. I'm not reading R.A. Salvatore's work. Not because I don't like the guy. Just because I don't read. Anyways, thank you all for listening. If you want to receive the unedited version of this podcast, which has many more jokes, but also a lot of sidetracks and possibly a lot of just, like, random noises, uh, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash thetavernkeepsguy. I'm about to add some stuff that's only in the Patreon version, so don't you wish you gave us $5? Now that we're at the end of the podcast... You can check out the Discord by checking the link in the description. As I said earlier, you can support us on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash the Tavern Keeps Guy. I'm Ryan, and this has been the Tavern Keeps Guy. Thank you, and make sure to tip the barmaids. <laughs> <laughs>